Hey, all you rad dads out there. Hey, what's up, everybody? Rad Dad Brett here with another episode of the Rad Dad Show. This time I'm joined by a fellow podcaster and Rad Dad, Greg Soden. I wanted to have Greg on the show for a couple of reasons. First, in addition to a religion podcast he hosts called Classical Ideas, he co-hosts a propaganda podcast called Unscripted Moments that I'm just so into these days. Propaganda is one of my favorite bands ever, and I just love digging into their songs with Greg and Keith every time an episode drops. Seriously, if you're into propaganda whatsoever, it's a total must listen. But secondly, Greg is also a teacher, and I really thought it was timely to get a teacher's perspective during this pandemic we find ourselves in, especially because at the time of this episode airing, kids are just heading back to school. Greg has so much energy, and I seriously had so much fun talking with him. We, of course, nerd out about our mutual love of propaganda, but we also touch on the importance of mental health supports for parents, finding hope in younger generations that we can turn our world around, and most importantly, the immense guilt associated with doom scrolling. You'll just have to listen in to figure that one out. So with that being said, here's Greg Soden from Unscripted Moments, a propaganda podcast on the Rad Dad Show. Yeah, it's good. So I'm super stoked to have you on the show today. I've been like listening to you and Keith talk. Like I, I, I've probably heard you talk more than I've heard my wife or my kids talk <laughs> over the last couple of months uh, more. So um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Um, so let, let's, let's stop there. And I'm just going to yeah. say, who are you? Okay. Um, so I'm Greg and I am a teacher and dad and spouse and i live in western new york uh right on the canadian border in a town called amherst which is a suburb of the great metropolis known as buffalo okay um so i live right by niagara falls right by st Catharines, ontario niagara yep. falls ontario so um your your country canada is uh, right in my backyard um and it's very very dear to me um so I have been a teacher since 2006. Um, I've taught everything from uh, eighth grade English to like 10th grade English to religious studies, to philosophy, to European history, to American wow. history. Um, and I have been a teacher in uh, Mexico, England, uh, New York, Missouri, um, I did my master's degree at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. Right. Um, so I lived in Saskatoon in Western Canada for a couple of years, which is awesome. And uh, a couple of years ago, I moved here to Buffalo from the middle of Missouri. And for the last three years, I have been the host of a podcast called Classical Ideas, which is an academic podcast about the study of religion and culture and the study of the way that like religion is like everywhere around us, even if we like don't pay attention to it. So on that show, like I interview, um, you know, like Zen Roshis and, um, you know, like different clergy and practitioners of different religions and scholars and journalists and professors um, and fellow teachers who also teach religious studies in like a high school, public school setting where it's all academic not like theology based or anything like that. Um, and then this year 
I started a podcast with my friend Keith called Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda, which is a podcast about propaganda, my favorite right. band. And you are appropriately dressed for this evening. Yes, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I I'm put not. shirt on just for this. Woo! Yeah, so, um, so anyway, that's been... Uh, you know, some of my projects, uh, I also like to run. I like to cycle. Um, I like going to the beach. We have shockingly good beaches here in Buffalo on Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. And I went to the beach today with my kid. Um, nice. And I also, you know, I love to travel. I love to cook. I love to read. I love to collect records. Um, I like to play drums. I have a Fender Stratocaster. Yes, I like, uh, you know, doing yard work, you know, the normal stuff. So, that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Um, I, I, I have a million things going on like all the time, it seems, but I'm super stoked to be here. Well, yeah, I'm stoked to have you here too. And I think there's, there's kind of a couple uh, main reasons why I thought it'd be awesome to talk to you today. And so the first one obviously is, you know, because of my love for the band Propaganda, I've been listening to your podcast and just like going down that rabbit hole every week along yeah. with you guys and just been loving it like ever since um chris's patreon started like that yeah. that was so great i was so excited um whenever those episodes dropped yours are dropping a little more frequently so it's, <laughs> it's meeting a need uh for sure for me yeah um so it's been it's been a fun ride and you've had some great guests it's been just awesome like you know when you love a band that much um and you can just dig into every word and sort of every aspect and, and they're really a band that there's so much to what they're saying, right? It's yeah. not just the lyrics and the music. There's like a whole backstory to every song. I've learned so much from your podcast. So yeah, yeah so I'm stoked. It's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a, a real pleasure to do this project. And uh, I am a huge fan of Chris Hanna's Catastrophic Break with Consensus Reality podcast and Patreon. Um, I actively encourage everybody to listen and prioritize that show before listening to us. Um, if there's any way you can support Chris's Patreon, I wholeheartedly endorse that you do it. It has been worth every penny totally that I have spent as a, as a patron of his show. Um, he's, he's just got such a, such a presence uh, a, and a way of storytelling that um, just grips me so much. And so I listen to all of his stuff. Um, I love doing our show too because... I don't feel like if, if I felt like it was going to be like a, a hindrance to his project, I, I don't think that I would do it. Um, but I feel really good about the fact that I can just like say like, everybody should check out Chris's podcast. It's so good. Um, and I've loved talking to guests. Um, I mean, we've been recording guests like nonstop. Yeah. And we have so many interviews recorded that we haven't put out yet because we're like, if somebody agrees to be on the show, we just like say, boom, let's do the interview. Yeah. So I've got like a massive archive of interviews that we're going to be doling out over the next year as we work our way through the discography of the band. And it's been like crazy. I mean, John Darneal from the mountain yeah. goats, Frank Turner, like Rob and Joe from sacrifice. Like, come on. I know it. It's been just such, a, such a pleasure. Um, and we well, have so many more in the works. And, and it's, it's awesome because I, so I will admit when I heard that your podcast was coming out, I was like, Oh, that's really interesting. Like interesting timing. Right. Um, but you know, how's this all going to work with, with Chris's show? Um, 
but I totally agree. I mean, I think what you're doing just supplements what he's doing. Um, it provides something that he, I don't think he's particularly interested in providing, you know, that deep dive into the tiny little details of everything. Yeah. He's more interested in kind of the, the, the bigger picture and, um, and telling his story and his experience. And so I, for me, it's the best thing that's ever happened. Cause it's just like once a week, I know I have this, you know, hour and a half or two hours of just like, I feel like I'm nerding out with my, my best friends and just like going yeah. down that rabbit hole. So I love it. Dude, and like I totally um, stole the idea from the As You Were podcast about Alkaline Trio um, that my friend David Anthony does. And David was on the podcast um, to talk about when all your fears collide. But David's podcast that he does with Tim Crisp, who also hosts a podcast with Brendan Kelly from the Lawrence Arms, um, those guys are fantastic and i was listening to all of their incredible hundred plus episodes about alkaline trio songs and i was like i want to do this so badly and there was only one candidate and that was propaganda so like i went in like scoured the internet to see if somebody was already doing it and i couldn't find one and i was like oh man we got to do this so keith and i were like twitter pals and his favorite band is Propaganda. His favorite records, Failed States. His favorite yeah. song is Duplicate Keys of Caro. And I was like, dude, you want to do a Propaganda podcast with me? And he's like, oh, man. I'm like, <laughs> it, I, and he was like totally like overwhelmed by the idea. But I had been podcasting on my other show for so long right. that I was like, dude, I know what to do. I, I have this like, I have this vision and I want to do it with you. I don't know why I want to do it with you because we've never met. But like, I just have this feeling that we are going to do an okay job and we're going to feel good about it. And so we, we did some test episodes and we made a plan and we like, you know, started booking people and we just kind of like, it just kind of worked. So I'm just so grateful that anybody cares at all. um, And that people are listening to it because it's just a hobby. It's just something we're doing for fun and people actually like care about it. And to hear you say that, like, it matters to you. I'm just like, so like, Oh my God, it just means so much. Well, it, it you know, it, I mean, very selfishly it saves me, you know, those hours and hours I would spend, you know, at like 11 PM or midnight, like just like looking up like, Oh, what is he talking about? This yeah. Yeah. Song? Like, this is great. It's like really spoon fed to me. So on, on, you know, that side of it, I'm really happy. <laughs> yeah. And like the reason we have guests is because first and foremost, Keith and I are fans of propaganda and we wanted to have people on the show that are also fans of propaganda. Right. So like, like uh, our first guest is a professor at the University of Missouri, um, Chris Deutsch. And we did a deep dive into um, Cop Just Cop Out of Frame. frame yeah. yeah. And like the self-immolation of like the venerable Tick Kwong Duck and like the history of self-immolations and the context of like the Vietnam War and the protests of what was going on surrounding like Vietnamese Buddhists. And I'm like, just like takes it to the next level. You get these people on that are so smart and they tell these incredible stories with all this incredibly vivid and rich detail. And I'm like, we're talking about a song from a punk band. Yeah. And like, this is like every song is just a wormhole to go down and like we couldn't believe that we talked about bringer of greater things for like an hour and 30 minutes and we were like totally like emotionally drained at the end of it and i was like i can't believe how long we just talked about this one song 
And it's just really, I mean, it's wild. Like, I, we can't believe it. We, we, we are completely overwhelmed by the scope of the entire thing and, like, how much it takes out of us, but how much it gives to us as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool, like, as a listener, um, and I swear I'm going to stop, like, gushing over your, your podcast here. Um, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> it's like as a listener, I, the the really cool thing about it too is now every time I go back and listen to those songs, I'm hearing something different. I'm thinking yeah. about something different that I never really picked up before, or it was a name or a word or something that I never really understood what the connection was. And you guys have explained that, and it just brings this whole new light to to some of these songs that I've loved forever. Right? Yeah. Well, and you know what's so crazy is like we are gonna we're missing stuff. You know what I mean? Like we don't know all the references that Chris talks about in like Winnipeg, for example, like the murals on West Broadway, uh, Palmerston and Ruby street. Um, And there's all these like little Winnipeg Easter eggs and stuff like that. So people from Winnipeg have started writing to us like Sam from which police radio. He's like, Oh, he's like, this is in Winnipeg and that's in Winnipeg and this is in Winnipeg. So we're hearing all these little snippets from listeners and people are like, Oh my gosh, you guys didn't talk about the cover from the magnificent sevens on the today's empire tomorrow's ashes track. And I'm like, I can't believe we missed that song because it's so good. So like, we're not perfect. And we, we get, we get going and we miss stuff and then uh people write to us and they're like oh my gosh you guys didn't talk about this and i'm like oh we missed that but tell me because yeah that's what it's all about you know we're 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 loving the feedback it's so helpful well i like that i like that engagement right you even had the call in line yeah um, and that's pretty cool that's unique so yeah 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 whenever i get voicemails um I'll, I'll put them in the middle of episodes as like transitions from like the interview back into like the, the discussion about the song. And it's just cool, man. Like I just toss them in there whenever they land in the inbox. Well, yeah, this is the thing. Music brings people together, right? It's always been that way. And now it's just on this huge global scale, right? Where yeah. you, you can find that person who loves a band as much as you do and just like yeah. totally nerd out with them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so shifting gears a little bit, the second sure. reason to get back to what I was saying, you know, 15 minutes ago was um, the second reason I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you right now. And, and I think it's timely for that reason is because you're a teacher. Yeah. And what a weird time in our existence right now. Um, you know, everybody around the world is obviously dealing with, you know, the impact of the pandemic. Um, I think, you know, sitting here end of August, uh, thinking about back to school, um, mm-hmm. it, teachers, uh, you guys are in a tough position right now. So, so I'm also kind of interested to hear about your perspective on that um, and and where you are on that. But um, maybe maybe let's let's back up a little bit. I'm sure we're going to get there and and you know bring it back to what the show's all about: being a dad. So yeah. you're a dad. So how yeah. many how many children? I only have one child. Okay. Um, I am a dad of a six going on seven year old daughter. Okay. Uh, her birthday is in a week. Oh, and, nice. uh, yeah, so I only have one, but she's, uh, she's going into uh, grade two. Okay. And do you mind telling me your name? Gloria. Gloria. Okay. Right like, on. uh, like, like track one from Patty Smith horses LP. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So father of one, mm-hmm. um, six going on seven. So you're also dealing with kind of school reentry from a parent standpoint as well. So that's, yeah, dude, it's not cool aspect. It's worst. So, so what is that looking like for you guys where you are? So, so here in Buffalo, um, 
fortunate. So not fortunately, that's a terrible way to start. Um, New York state had what was like the epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic in the spring in April. um, This state was uh, people were dying left and right every single day for weeks. And it was a full state mobilization lockdown here in New York. And I felt really grateful that I lived in this state because people were taking it so seriously, like right off the bat, because the um, the pandemic hit here so hard, so suddenly that we were kind of like all on our heels all of a sudden. Right. So I was teaching at a, I was teaching eighth grade English at a school, at a private school here in town near my house. And we were told the school is locking down for two weeks and then two weeks came and went and they're like, we're locking down until May 5th, May 14th. And then that came and went yeah. and we locked and then they called it for the whole year. Uh, Andrew Cuomo called it for the whole state essentially. So since then, my kid has been home every day. We didn't do any socializing, any play dates, anything like that. Uh, swim lessons were canceled. Um, her yoga studio closed permanently. Um, I take my kid to a kid's yoga studio. Okay. And um, so all of her, her, her rich, fulfilling life just ground to a yeah. halt literally in a day. Um, and so she started doing like zoom calls with her friends. She had these like really clunky online app, like classes every day. These like this like mountain of homework that was just basically like imagine learning and apps and stuff like that. Google classroom. Yeah. And she hated it, man. Um, But the thing was that she reverted to her true nature, like suddenly because she's a total night owl. So she would stay up until midnight and she would sleep until 11. Wow. <laughs> so wow. like the six-year-old is like, it's like 1045 in the morning and she's like passed out cold in her bed oh, still. Um, that sounds pretty and, amazing. I've got a two-year-old and yeah. a four-year-old at home who are up at like 630 in the morning. So yeah, wow. my kid is not like that, man. She, <laughs> she burns the midnight oil. Um, and so she all of a sudden like flipped overnight. So for the last like six months, she's been doing... Um, like stuff like that, but she's been able to restart swim lessons. Her teachers wear like a full visor mask and stuff like that. She's been able to do backyard yoga. We got her yoga teacher to come to our house for private lessons. So they do backyard social distancing yoga in the backyard. Nice. And now her school district is opening on a hybrid model reopening. And what that means is she, they split this, the, the, the school into two groups, two cohorts one cohort will go to school on Mondays and Thursdays. The other cohort will go to school on Tuesdays and Fridays. Everybody's distance learning on Wednesday. So two out of five school days per week, you, the kids are physically in the building and three days a week, they are at home distance learning. So what that means for me is I shifted um, and I did a, I'm teaching only online this year. And so I, I actually am not going back to school right now. Um, I am only teaching online. um, And so I will be home every day, uh, all the time, um, teaching my my online classes. So this year is looking a little different for me because I'm not actually going to a school at all. Whereas Keith, the co-host of the podcast, is 
going to school every day and working in his classroom, but he's teaching remote from his classroom to his students, which are all at home. Wow. So it's like, and, and like, I'm watching how this is playing out with the university reopenings across the country right now. And, um, you know, there, there's like cases that are popping up all over the country. North Carolina shut down their universities. Yeah. Um, the University of Missouri uh, just reported like a couple hundred new cases today. And I, I'm like so skeptical that this is even going to happen. So like my kids supposed to start school on September 10th. And I just like, I'm like, it's never going to happen. Like, yeah. I'm just like completely unconvinced that she will attend school for even a single day. So maybe I'm living in denial. Um, <laughs> but I just think that like all of it will be for naught. Like I'm not. Well, yeah, I mean, I think so. I've got a, my daughter, my four-year-old is starting kindergarten mm -hmm. this year. And so same thing. We So it's a little bit different here. Um, what we're doing is you have the option of either going in person or yeah. online and you sort of have to make that declaration. So our deadline yeah. was last week. You had to make that declaration and then you, you can reevaluate that at every quarter of mm -hmm. the school year. So you could go into school, out of school, you know, up to three times a year. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a different approach. I mean, our daughter's doing kindergarten, which is half day anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's, you know, she's going to be in class, but, but this is the thing. It's like, no one really knows what is this yep. actually going to look like? What's going to happen? It's this kind of big experiment. Yeah. And um, like, I think we, we almost just have to wait and see, right. There's just no other way to, to do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just this time of such amazing uncertainty. You know, I know when I think back to March, cause I, I went through exactly the same thing as you, like, you know, it was all of a sudden the daycares closed and, you know, I, so I have a job where I kind of work out in the field and I, yeah. I was pulled out of the field and it's like, Kate, hey, you're just at home now. And like the whole world just changed, mm -hmm. you know, in like the course of a couple of weeks. And so it, it really yeah. is amazing to see where we are now. And, and I guess what we've learned and what we have still to learn, right? Yeah. Um, like I think about like, so in, in December, like I went, I go to the, every time I die, annual christmas festival okay. here in buffalo and it's like the most amazing weekend like of music ever yeah. <laughs> and i love going so much and i think about the fact that like i was standing in this like massive crowd of like four thousand people like watching people just like mosh their brains out to like glass jaw and stuff yeah. and i'm like thinking back on that i'm like gross yeah. and like march 12th i think it was i went and saw currents and silent planet at a tiny little club here in Buffalo yeah. and it was packed and sold out and there was a like huge pit in there and people were drunk and like yelling at each other. And I'm like, Oh my God. And like, this is the longest I've gone without seeing a show since yeah. February of 1998. Like I have never gone this long without seeing a show yeah. since I was like 14. Um, and so this is like, you know, I just think about the, like the before times and the after. Oh, times. I know we're, it's never going to be the same, right? Like how, I can't even imagine what live music is going to look like. I've got tickets for some shows for next year. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I know. And I'm so upset too. I, I had tickets for good riddance and homeless gospel choir oh, nice. in Toronto in May. I had tickets for strung out in like yeah. June in Toronto. And like, so all this stuff is just gone. I, I mean, I had tickets for rage against the machine tool, yeah. um, you know, rancid and dropkick Murphy's um, like all kinds of stuff that uh, it just gone.
I know. I know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so you've got a six-year-old going yeah, on yeah, seven. Yeah. So Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm here to nerd out too. It's great. Yeah. Um, so tell me about, so when you became a father, like what did that change for you? What, how, how did that change you as a person? Oh my goodness. Uh, profoundly. Um, because all of a sudden, I know it's a cliche uh, to say this, um, but I have to, because you go from being almost completely about yourself. Yeah. And then the saying is that like all of a sudden you're, you have your heart ripped out and it's now walking around outside your body. So when the child is elsewhere, like you feel like a part of like your physical body is like, you know, missing something. And it's like elsewhere under somebody else's control while you're at work trying to like make money to pay for the house to live in so that, you know, everybody can have a safe place to live. So like, that was like a, a, a huge thing for me. Cause before that, like I was a super globe trotting, um, you know, like fam weirdo of the family. Like, Oh, where's Greg? Oh, he's living in Hawaii. Oh, where's Greg? Like, yeah, I don't know. He's in, he's living in Mexico. And so like, I was, you know, really doing that for a long time, just living completely selfishly. Um, and I still do to a large degree. I'm trying to, be better about that. Um, that's something that I'm personally working on, but it showed me the, uh, narcissistic approach to my own way of life. I think, um, that, that changed my perspective on like what life can be about. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's a really common one, right? Like a lot of people talk about uh, like going from a, uh, place of kind of being all about yourself and and often you know the word selfish is used and and now you're thinking about somebody else and that's your new priority and mm -hmm. I think you know I'm, I'm always careful to kind of like you know frame it like you know I, I don't want to I don't want to make anybody feel like I think if they don't have kids they're selfish it's not right like, right it's not like that right but I'm also not saying that at all yeah no I I yeah I know you're not um but but that is certainly like a thing you kind of realize about yourself and, 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 you know, is a, is a sacrifice that you make as well. Right. And so you're kind of talking yeah. about that struggle once you become a parent of trying to figure out, okay, like, yes, you know, my identity is partially with, with this individual now or these individuals now. Um, but what about me? Like, right. How, how do I still be me? Right. And so that, that's a, that's a pretty common struggle. Yeah. So you're kind of talking yeah. about that. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it, a lot of the things I was able to retain, um, I only have one child and my, my spouse and I, we, my partner and I, we um, work very in hand in tune with each other to make sure that the other one is able to go do what they need to do. So my partner is a marathon runner and wow. runs constantly. And so she goes and runs and sometimes she's out running for four hours. And so that's a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with just me and the kiddo where, you know, you can do a heck of a lot of puzzles and read a lot of books and go yeah. to a lot of parks and, you know, go to a lot of like public swimming pools and um, go on little walks in the woods and find little trails and like search for magical fairies and yeah, things like yeah. that. Um, while it's just me and the kiddo. You know what I mean? So yep. she goes and does that and it's a given. Like she doesn't even have to be like negotiating it with me because right. it's just how we are. Yeah. And so 
since I'm like that, like whenever a show comes up, I, I just know that I can go. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. know that it, it isn't an issue. And, you know, um, we, we build that into our lives so that the other one can still be an individual human being with passions and interests. Um, and that's, that, that's like a major thing. And we both have like, you know, we have our routines. Like yeah. I cook, I cook all the food. Yeah. I do all the grocery shopping. Um, you know, I do all the yard work. Like we have our, our things your, that your we jobs like, that or whatever. Yeah. yeah. We, we fit it into our niche. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it's just the way it has to be because the like you know, live is just overwhelming in general. Um, and to raise children in that as well is so uh, it's just such a balance. Yeah. I, I think you, you bring up some, some really interesting things, right? Like, you know, working with a partner to kind of try and figure out what that balance looks like and, and to help you, you know, meet your needs as an individual as well, while you're still taking care of your child and bonding with your child and doing all those things that are, that are really important too. Right. Yeah. Um, well, like, and one more thing is like, I, and I'm also like, I, for, for the first five years of my kid's life, we lived in Missouri and I was a teacher in a public high school. Um, so like I go to work, I would go to work at like seven in the morning and come home at like four thirty, and you know, all day long I am attending to other people's children yep. who are my students in my class. So I come home after a long day of talking to 15 year olds whole day and <laughs> sounds exhausting mentally like I am like horizontal on the sofa. Like I have literally nothing else to give. I'm a very performative teacher. Um, so like I am like my, my strategy for classroom management as a teacher is I have more energy than you. I have more <laughs> energy than all 30 of you combined. And I'm going to just bash you over the head with my energy so that there's nothing you can do about it, but like be engaged in the moment. So, but I come home and that takes a toll because, you know, when you come home after five days in a row of doing that and you're just fried um, and you just want to watch the office reruns for the entire evening and all of a sudden there's like a two-year-old there and it's like, oh my God. Yep. So, so how do, how do you manage that? How, how, how do you, I mean, now it's a little bit different, I guess, but um, what, what did that look like up until March, 2020? Uh, well, I mean, it, it could, it's not always great. You know, um, I have been guilty of so many of the things that, um, people rip on modern day parents for doing, you know, like, iPad, Disney Plus, um, done it all. Like, like kid comes over to me, I'm doom scrolling on my phone. Like, Dad, play with me. I'm like, oh, in a little bit, give me five minutes. And like five minutes turns into forty five minutes really easily, and you're still doom scrolling. And you could have done like (laughs) so much with a with a five year old or a six year old. Forty five minutes of doom scrolling. Yeah. But like, you know, I'm guilty of all of that. Um, Massive imperfections. you know, periods of being like, I, and like guilt, like racking guilt. Like, I know I should be doing this, but holy smokes, I'm going to keep scrolling on Washington Post until my brain explodes from like societal depression of like the impending doom of our species. (laughs) And like, and my kids like, oh, let's color in this coloring book. And I'm like, doom scroll. And like, that's one of the things where I, I get really bogged down in and it's super depressing um, to think about how many times I've done that. 
but I think it's also important to just like own it and be like, yep, that was a mistake. So that like, maybe next time I'll doom scroll for 30 minutes and then maybe I'll doom scroll for 15 minutes and then five minutes. And then maybe I'll actually tell the truth when I say five more minutes and then maybe I'll actually meet that five minutes. So it's incremental change of, um, you know, just being overwhelmed with the world in general um, while also having this like unbelievably pleasant, patient, hilarious, thoughtful, small human walking around who actually wants me to do things with her. So, you know, the guilt is like, it's important because it's going to make me better, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, you know, everybody screws up, right? Like everybody has those moments and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later, but um, like that insight, I think is, is the most important thing, right? Cause we're always going to screw up like whatever yeah. work or home or whatever, you're always going to yeah. screw up. And it's about, I guess, recognizing it, right? Like that it's the same for me. A lot of what you're talking about, it's the same for me. You know, those times it's like, yeah, come outside. I want to show you something. I'm just like, yeah, just, just a minute. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. Well, exactly. I'm like, why <laughs> did I not just go out there? Like, did I really yeah. need to, you know, scroll for two more minutes on Instagram. Like, I, yeah, no, well, like, the answer is no. <laughs> yeah. And for you, like, it's super funny. Cause like, you know, both of us like live in these like Northern climates. So like warm outdoor season. Yeah. You really got to jump on that, yeah, man. Cause sure. like in Buffalo, like it'll be like May and flurrying and like, yeah. you know, people in the South have been like outside since like, you know, they never go in and like, it's like, may and as i'm watching it flurry outside and i'm just like come on and then the second that ends i'm like outside yeah i'm like at the beach i'm like on my bike i'm like in the like backyard with the kid on the swing set um but man when you live in these places that you and i live we gotta you gotta really take advantage of those days when it's like nice and sunny and hot for sure so i i think you kind of hinted at this but we're the rad dad show so how (laughs) if i ask you to define what's a rad dad what are the traits of a rad dad? How, how would you answer that question? Um, for me, it's like about, I would say it's more, it's mostly about art. Um, do you, like, does a parent, a dad, um, expose their child to things about the world that are beautiful and make you think? So my kid and I, we have a lot of vinyl record dance parties here, like literally in this room where I am right now. I've got the turntable and the LPs right over here and she'll come in and she's like, I want to dance. And I'm like, okay, music time. So then I'll bust on an LP. Usually it's like a synth wave record, like the, like the midnight or like gunship or something like that. (laughs) And, um, and then I'll put it on and it's like got that, that like super 80s synthy sound with like the, the sexy alto saxophone solos. <laughs> and then she'll be like dancing yeah. and then I start dancing too. So, but then we just like groove, man. We just like, we just hang out and we just like groove and get funky. Yeah. So that's something that I really love doing is exposing her to like sounds because then like later on I'll hear her across the house, like plucking at like a ukulele or like a a Lug three string kids guitar. Um, and then like humming something and I'm like, Oh yeah, there we go. So that is something that I consider to be super rad. Um, another thing that I consider to be super rad is like, we have a membership to the local art museum here. Yep. And my kid is obsessed with those massive Jackson Pollock. Oh, yeah. 
that are like, you know, the canvas is like 25 feet wide yep. and it's just like, like overwhelming to look at. She loves that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I take her to the art museum um, whenever I can. And then I take her home and I give her a little canvas and a, you know, stack of paints and like a couple of brushes and some, some water to rinse her brushes. And I say, here you go, make something. And she just paints these crazy, amazing things. Um, and like, so I try to like expose her to these like little inspiring moments, like the dance yeah. party, going to the museum. And then I put something like that in front of her to see how she's able to apply it and make sense of it in her way. And that is kind of what I consider to be my indicator of radness is like exposing her to beautiful things that make her think and then giving her the opportunity to create something new that maybe didn't exist before. Yeah. So it's like, so that's really interesting because you're kind of talking about um, exposing her to new ideas and kind of giving her the tools to be um, maybe an individual or, or unique and, and. Oh, she is too. Yeah. And, and I um, like, I think, you know, that, to me, that's a very teacher kind of answer, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what, you know, when I look back on the, the teachers that had a big impact on my life, it's those ones who, who really encouraged my, you know, individuality and stuff like that. And so yeah. um, I'm kind of like making that connection there. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, certainly if, you know, we look at even like your, your other podcast possible ideas, like yeah. understanding sort of the differences in how people perceive the world and, and the meaning of it all and, and, you know, sort of maybe giving her some of that exposure as well to, to mm -hmm. those different ways of, of seeing the world and experiencing the world, whether it's art or, or, you know, news or otherwise. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, that's just something that, you know, I, I've often said that like, to me, the meaning of life is curiosity. Um, you know, like I, I always like, it's, you know, here's another cliche for you, but like, I want to be on my deathbed learning something new. Um, that's just kind of how I generally try to live my life. Yep. And so I feel like if I can do that for her as well, show her the beauty of exploring, um, from a young age and creating from a young age that, you know, she'll never be bored her whole life. Right. You know, um, there's a saying that one of my friends <laughs> back in Missouri always used to say like, um, boring people say I'm bored. You know right. what I mean? Cause like they don't like have this like intrinsic drive to end their own boredom. But like, I also like when, um, I realize that I'm bored and like, I actually kind of like lean into it because like I I'm so infrequently bored that like I find those times to be some of the most reflective times yep. where it's like, Oh wow. I'm like leaning into this boredom right now. In, and thinking about it in a new way to where it becomes all of a sudden very interesting instead of torture, which is what most people think of boredom as is torture. Right. right. See it as like a space to come up with a new idea for later. Right. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I like that. I like that way of looking at it. Um, did you have any fears about becoming a dad? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, look around. I mean, the, wor <laughs> the world is like, okay, so the, first of all, let me just caveat this and say that the world's incredible. 
The people of the world are incredible. The cultures of the world are incredible. The food is amazing. Like the, the, the natural world that surrounds us on any given day from all the different species of plants and animals that surround us, all inspiring, mind-bogglingly incredible. But as we go through each passing year, and it seems like we are ever hell-bent on careening towards catastrophe at every given opportunity, whether it's bombing each other or, um, you know, in in this country, like, um, you know, racist um, systems of oppression, incarceration, uh, you know, police violence upon, um, you know, racial minorities in the United States um, and like the, you know, the climate, it's just a, an ongoing series of overwhelmingly tragic situations that, you know, make me question constantly about the, um, you know, the efficaciousness of bringing, you know, new human beings into the world. And, you know, I only have one child. So like my partner and I didn't even replace ourselves. We replaced one of us, but not both. And, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it was a very terrifying thing. Um, and then once you're he- once they're here, you can't imagine them not being here. Right. You know what I mean? It's one of those yeah. things like, and I have friends that are like, I'm never having children because I would not want to subject them to humanity's seemingly seeming obsession with ending life and making things worse instead of doing all the things that we know that we could do that would make the world a better place, like almost overnight, you know, um, getting off like fossil fuels, uh, making sure that every single human being in a nation has access to, um, you know, affordable, reasonable, excellent healthcare, um, you know, making sure that all of our schools and education are, you know, stellar, uh, making sure that, you know, certain neighborhoods are funded in ways that bring them back up to a level, which is, um, you know, creating like a sanitary and safe place for all people to live instead of places like where there's like toxic soil, um, because there's like a factory out in the back of the neighborhood, but then there's other people down the road that like live in these massive mansions away from toxins. There's like so many things that just spring to mind here. But so yes, to answer the question <laughs> in a short way, bringing new life into this world is a terrifying uh, endeavor. Um, and it but seems you, like the, it's, it, it's been six years, right? So, yeah. so how have you managed to reconcile that? Like, I think that's a, that, that's a pretty common, like I, I I think that sort of bleak view um, yeah. is quite common, right? Of like, what what has this world become? But um, like, I'm curious, um, like, is there like a little glimmer of hope that comes out of having having a child? Or, or, or like, what does that look like for you? How do you reconcile that? Well, you know, like, I, I don't know if I have reconciled it per se, but she's here. And she's great and she makes me smile and she loves me and I love her. And so now it's like, 
well, kid, I'm going to tell you some stuff that <laughs> is going to be overwhelming in the coming years that might be scary in the coming years, but you're my, you're going to, I hope that you'll be my partner in crime on this and maybe in our way by exposing you to some harsh realities potentially earlier than I ever picked up on them. Cause I lived in a bubble um, growing up a conservative Catholic bubble. And so, you know, reading Howard Zinn for me for the first time was like horrifying. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, the world actually sucks. Yeah. And I didn't realize this. <laughs> I know. How did I not and know this? I was such a dummy. I lived in such a bubble. And so like, and here's another thing. When I was teaching at my last school, I was teaching a religious studies class for all seniors. And we would do things like read the Bhagavad Gita and the Tao Te Ching and, um, you know, all these incredible uh, classic works of um, literature that are ascribed to certain religions. And like the things these students would say to me were so profound, so unbelievably inspiring that like like the students in the class could like literally make me cry by asking like the most um, unbelievable questions by having the most profound insights like live in real time in my classroom in front of me that like i i do have hope that so many young people just are not going to put up with these like these insane injustices that have managed to perpetuate for generations and somehow my my generation like wasn't able to address these things in um you know a massively effective manner but like man i look at like gen z and stuff and they are going to not stand they are not going to tolerate things in a way that um you know will perpetuate the cycle of massive haves and haves nots like they are going to be calling people out and i am so proud that my kid is going to grow up in a generation where it's like you know that propaganda song it's like you i'll call you on yours if you call me on yep. mine like that is this generation so like these young people now just blow my mind and like my kid's only six so she's not quite to that point yet yeah but like she's coming up behind it and she's gonna have those those kids as her role models in her high school and stuff and i'm like mm, and i'm gonna yep. be on the sidelines like yeah so that's like the kind of people that I wished I was and was surrounded by, but like, you know, when I was growing up in the punk scene and stuff like that, it was like still super homophobic. And we would like call each other, like, you know, um, like, like shaming epithets and stuff like that. It was not a, yeah. a, a, a super intellectual group of people um, that I was like going to like surrounded by at shows. And so it was way more broy. And so now I'm super excited by uh, what I'm seeing with uh, with young people today as a teacher and as a dad. Like, I'm just so excited for what's coming up right behind me. Yeah. And I don't know, it's funny, like you kind of talk about, you know, not, not being sure if you have hope in this world, but it seems to me like you've kind of like positioned yourself in a place where you're around people who give you that, like yeah. you're a teacher and you're talking about how you kind of get that from the kids and, and your daughter and, so, you know, maybe there is, is more to that than, uh, than you yeah. give yourself credit for. I don't yeah, know. Maybe, maybe, I'm not, <laughs> maybe I'm not as dark as I, as yeah. I originally thought I was. Maybe I'm a little more, uh, you know, and like, 
optimism is like the root of something successful occurring. Like if you have optimism in an idea and you are so optimistic in it that you see it through and bring something new into the world, that's the only way that new ideas can come in is if you have that ingrained optimism. And yeah, you can be cynical and yeah, you can be upset about the way things are. But unless you have this like kernel of optimism that you water and cultivate and grow and that it sprouts um, from hard work and dedication to it, like that's the only way you're going to make any new ideas because otherwise the people that are just going to put their thumbs on everybody are just going to keep those thumbs down real freaking hard, like boot on the human face forever. Yeah. So, you know, that's just something that I, I, I have to retain. Otherwise, I'll just be horizontal on the sofa and then just fall into a crippling depression and possibly never emerge. Yeah. I mean, this is the world we live in now, right? And yeah, and it's interesting because I think the pandemic and, you know, I don't want to like harp on this too much, but the, I think the pandemic has really been a catalyst for moving a lot of this forward in both yeah. um, good directions for some things and horrible, awful directions for other things. Right. And, and has, yeah. has really exposed some, some major flaws in, in, you know, North, North American, I would say North American culture and, and, you know, the, the world that we've created. So um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's hard not to be depressed, but I, I do find, you know, like the same thing as you being around kids um, th- there is something about it, even small kids. Like I, I wouldn't consider myself like the most, like, um, uh, I, I don't know, like emotional guy or, or whatever, sure. but, but there's something about like, you know, walking out into your, your backyard or at the park or something and seeing like your kid play with another kid. And like that, just that, that joy, that, that innocent joy that yep. just, you know, I, I, to me just like brings out a side in me that I is so easy to forget. And it, yeah. I think it's that hope, right? Dude, I tell you what, man, a few weeks ago, uh, my kid, I, we, we let her have like, she, she's got a couple of friends in her like social circle right now that we've like reopened yeah, yeah, to, to like summer, summer play dates. And I was sitting in my, in my little porch, like looking out into the backyard with my laptop doing a work project and that new John K Sampson song was in my headphones, that fantasy baseball song. And I saw my daughter and her friend in the tree house, like coloring the inside walls of her tree house with like sidewalk chalk, like doing, dad, we're doing wallpaper. And they would color literally the entire wall inside the tree house. And then that John K Sampson song came on and I, I cried like a baby. Um, And it was like a gut churning like cry that uh, just came out of me. Like all of a sudden, like freaking John K. Sampson, like brought me to my knees with that freaking song. And then I was looking out and watching my kid and I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. He has a way about him himself, you know, doing that. There's a few songs like that. Uh, oh my God. And the, the, the fascist line in that song, like I was like, Oh God, it was like convulsions, like, like sobbing convulsions when that line came on. And like, I was like seeing my kid out in the yard with her friend and I was like, Oh my God, brought me to my knees. Yeah. So there, I, you know, you wonder, is there, there, you know, is that a biological thing? What is that phenomenon? Right. And I think it's yeah. so many things, but, but it is interesting. Um, so shifting gears a little bit, this is, you know, rad dad show. We have a feature. I don't know if you've heard it on some of the other episodes, but we do something called um, the rad dad, the bad dad <laughs> moment. So like, tell us about a time I guess it would be two times one where it was kind of like, you know, super proud best moment ever as a dad and another one kind of that bad dad moment, um, you know, where you kind of like 
you know, do the, the face palm. Sure. Um, you know, that, that guilt, you kind of described a situation earlier like that, where you, you know, you, you feel guilty afterwards or whatever. Um, anything come to mind? Yeah. Okay. So good. Let's do good first. Sure. Um, so lately, um, so this summer, um, my kid has really, you know, growing up, like whenever the kids are super small, like there, if there's, if say it's like a, a, a mom and a dad in the house. Yeah. Like that's a different dynamic for the children, right? There's like, it's like an onion. Okay. Right. A family's like an onion. There's like mom is layer one of the onion, not the mom, which is dad yeah. is layer two of the onion yeah. and then not, not the mom is everybody else in the world. Yeah. So like, I always felt for like a lot of years that I was like, you know, just not the mom, like the other person in the house yeah. who was like there and trusted and, you know, tolerated, but not the mom. Right. right. Yep. However, in the last like year, my kid has really opened up to me in so many new ways, uh, tremendous ways. Like she wants to go do things like with me, like just me. And like I ha a proud moment that I have is this week. Um, for the last week, my kid and I have gone to the beach every day. And cause it's super hot right now. And she, it's her favorite place. She loves it so much that like, even though we've been there every day for like a week, I will, she woke up this morning. I said, like, Hey, you want to go to the beach today? It's super hot. And she goes, yep. And like, she could go every day. Yep. And she knows that summer is going to be over soon. So like, whenever I ask her, do you want to go to the beach? She knows that she has these like very limited amount of times left. And if she says, yes, I'm going to take her. Yep. Like I'll do, I'll do I'll rearrange the entire day to take her um, because I know that she depends on me to give her those experiences. Um, and so that's a, a thing that I've been like really pleased with. And nice. we go out there in like the great lakes and like, if it's a windy day, man, those great lakes waves are nuts. Yeah. And so she's just out there just getting pounded by these waves <laughs> and I'm just laughing and she's laughing and um, we just hang out in the waves yeah. And just get pounded by the waves. And then after about two hours of getting pounded by the waves, she'll take a wave straight to the face yeah. and then just start crying and say yeah. she wants to go home. <laughs> and so every day it's the same thing. It's like two hours of just like being in the waves and having fun. And then the wrong wave hits her in the face and she's ready to go. Right. So like, I know that moment's going to come. And then I know that I get to like save her yeah. and be like, oh, and get the towel and dry her off and get her warm and get her yeah. like, you know. Um, so those are the things that I'm like, super happy with right now is the fact that like this year she and I have spent so much more time together than uh in, in such a more like intimate and like uh one-on-one -on -one way than we really ever have that's, so that's, that's like one little sort of silver lining kind of during the pandemic I think a lot of people are are pulling out as well as yeah you know, amongst all the awful things and of course everyone would you know turn it around if they could. But yeah, um, the, you know, that's a, that's a pretty common one that, you know, families are spending a lot more time together and, and, um, you know, getting to have some of those experiences that maybe they were just too 
busy or absorbed in their jobs or whatever to kind of really yeah. think about. So yeah. yeah, that's cool. Thanks for sharing that one. Oh, you're welcome. So should I do the bad one now? Yeah, let's do the bad dad <laughs> moment. All right. So um, when I was a kid, uh, my my dad was uh, what I call, what I like to call a, a rage cleaner. Um, <laughs> like sounds like would, my mom a little bit. Yeah. So he would get so mad about things and he would like bottle it up and then i would know that if i woke up at like six in the morning on a saturday with the vacuum like i lived in the basement yeah. if the vacuum was the room above me yeah at like six o'clock in the morning i knew that the day was not going to be a pleasant day <laughs> i knew that i would be in the yard picking up dog poop cutting grass yeah staining a wooden fence like anything right yep. i knew that it was not going to be an idyllic pleasant saturday so that is something that like that is a trait that sort of was passed on to me um like my house is uh not tidy um as a family of three we have four pets and so our pets, like we have like two cats and two dogs and we have like litter boxes Yeah. and like, we have like, like there's just like stuff. Like we have yeah. just like, we don't have a lot of stuff, but all of our stuff is like out. My kids yeah. turn every room into a playroom. So like my bad dad comes out whenever like I come downstairs or something and I just want to sit on the couch and it's covered in stuff. Yeah. And I don't have anywhere to sit. And I just start rage cleaning, man. And like, I go in the kitchen and I'm like mopping the floor and I'm like yeah. mumbling to myself. And like, I turn the music up really loud and like, like good riddance, Operation Phoenix, full yeah. volume. And, you know? And it's like, I start doing all the dishes and then I mop the floor and then I'm like, Grr. and I'm like just rage cleaning. And then I go over and I just start picking stuff up off the floor and I'm just throwing it in the trash can. And then later on, everybody's like, Hey, where's that thing? Did you see this XYZ? I'm like, no, I don't know what you're talking about, but I totally threw it away. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's something that like I, that, that, that comes out in me every now and then. And, uh, you know, I've thrown away tons of my kids' favorite toys, yeah. um, drawings that she's done, yeah. threw them in the trash cause they were on the floor. I'm like, you don't care about this stuff. I don't care about it either. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's my, my bad dad. Uh, yeah. it's a trait that was sort of passed down as like rage cleaning and like, holding a massive grudge that like everything looks like crap all the time in the house instead of being like, Oh, we freaking live here. I might as well, you know, Oh, well this, these toys aren't going to be here forever. Like if I'll tolerate it for a few years and I could just like be way more chill about it, but like it takes over the space and then it eats away at me. Yeah. And then I go into like rage clean bad dad mode. But then afterwards, I'm, I'm sure, like, because I do a little bit of the same thing. Like, I don't know if it's really rage cleaning, but I, I definitely, you know, something will set you off and then you're just pissed off. And, yeah, you know, yeah, you're throwing your kids' drawings away or, yeah, yep. whatever it is, right? Yep. Um, you're, yeah, the mumbling for sure. That's me <laughs> mumbling under my breath. Yeah. The Operation Phoenix, that's my anger album too. So, like. Best record. One yeah, of my, ever, one of my since, favorites ever. Ever since high school, that's that's been the one I go to. Um but uh, yeah, that, I think that's, that's pretty common. So yeah, yeah. that's funny. Luckily, yeah. you, you know, luckily I think it could be a lot worse than rage cleaning, right? So, yeah, 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 for yeah, sure. Um, that's like the, uh, and another one though, is that like, I also, whenever I like fall into like a depressive state, um, like which happens, like I'm, I'm like very like this as a person, like I'm like, Rah! I'm like, yeah, I'm super stoked or I'm like, <laughs> 
totally horizontal on the sofa. Don't talk to me. I can't function. Like that happens to me uh, every month um, for sure. Um, and so like, it's either like I do the rage cleaning thing or it's just like total neglect um, because I just like cannot function. Yeah. Um, so like the, it's like either the depressive states or like the manic rage cleaning are like my two things. Um, you know, and that to me says a lot about the state of access to, you know, mental health care in the world and things like that as well. Like there's so many things that we can do because I know a lot of parents struggle with things like that. And, um, but for a lot of people in the United States, especially, um, where healthcare is such a commodified product, it's not accessible to everybody, uh, especially mental health. Like we do not care about that in this country whatsoever. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things that could make a lot of parents' lives in this country better. Um, and I think about that kind of stuff all the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, me too. I think, you know, I mean, we're not going to solve the problem, but that's part of what our kind of goal is too, is to kind of be that support. And I think even just, you know, other dads who will listen to this and hear you talk about that, they'll identify with that and they'll, they'll have that moment that they may not have had before of, Oh, someone else is going through exactly what I'm oh, man. Through. like. It's, you know, and, and I think especially for dads, um, but, but, but for everybody, like, I think, me, you know, mental health, it's, it's a huge problem even here in Canada where I think we do have a little bit better um, yeah. access to, to care and, and support and resources. Um, but everybody deals with it. And, and often it's just a matter of knowing that somebody else is going through what you're going through really helps. Right. And oh, for sure. Such a like, stigmatized thing. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to admit this weakness of, you know, this yeah. weakness of yeah. yours. And, and um, yeah, so, so that's, a, that's an interesting one. Well, yeah. And then like when you fall into like a depressive state and you're just like either in bed on the sofa or you're just like, I, I like close the door to the office and I just like sitting here on my computer and I'm just like, you know, doom scrolling. Yeah. Um, depression, doom scrolling. And you know, <laughs> I love that term. Yeah. I, I and, haven't heard that before. What doom I, scrolling. I, I, I oh man. Steal that. I say it every day. I'm like, dooms. what are you doing? Doom scrolling. Um, and so for me, like, and then, and then when you're in that state and you recognize that you're in it and you can't pull yourself out of it and you realize that you're neglecting your family, um, it's, and then it just makes it worse. Yeah. You know, because then you're like, why can't I just yeah. like get up right now? Just get up. That's all you got to do. You have to get up and go over there and you have to like, you know, do a puzzle and you have to, you just do it and then pull you yourself out of it like and then you still don't do it. it yeah yeah you're just like in your brain you're on the sofa laying down and you're yeah. like willing yourself get up get up just do it and you still don't do it yeah. and then you just like you still keep saying yourself do it and then you don't and then the more times you say do it and the more times you don't just the worse it gets yeah yeah no i for sure i mean i think that's that's a <laughs> a common feeling for sure yeah um, yeah. And then I think about when I lived in Saskatoon, how I had uh, therapy uh, provided by the university and by uh, the provincial government. And I was, you know, felt great because I had uh, somebody who was helping me through my stuff. And then I moved back to this country and that all went away because I was like 27 and uninsured. So, yay. You know, yeah, yeah. all I that mean, stuff is real. You know, all that stuff is sure. really, it's really real. And the differences between the two countries, like I'm not saying that Canada is some like, you know, um, you know, utopia or anything, but 
you know, five miles to my, to my West here is Fort Erie, Ontario. Um, and like, I think about the fact when I ride my bike along the shore, uh, the massive policy differences, uh, between the two countries. And, you know, it's a, it's a real thing that we deal with here in this country, um, that we have a long, long way to go. Yeah. It's, and it's not something I think we, um, uh, I think we take for granted here. Well, because it's, because it's an obvious thing to do and it already exists for you. And the thought of it going away, like, why would we ever do that? And down here, we're like, why would we ever do that? You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, so it's, it's like, it's surreal, man. Having lived there, and like having it come back here and like tell people what it was like for me to live in Canada um, and have these different things. And then they tell me that I'm wrong and that what really happens is whatever they heard Sean Hannity say. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I just told you about my real life and you're telling me that I'm not telling you the truth, even though I actually lived it. And you're listening to this guy on television that's bloviating about something that he's never personally experienced. I'm telling you my actual story. Um, so it's like a my brain just goes nuts uh, talking to um, some folks down here about uh, what things are like elsewhere and how we actually have things that we can learn from other places instead of being uh, American exceptionalist um, dingbats, you know. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we, we've covered a lot of territory here. Rick. I mean, we've, we've gone high, we've gone low. This is great. Yeah. Um, I want to really thank you for your time. Um, I want you to tell anybody who's out there listening how we can find you online. Mm. So sure. I know how to find you, but let's let's tell the listeners how to find you. Sure. Well, if you if, if there was a lot of stuff you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to, um, I would totally come back and do this again. Um, oh, I'd I'd love to continue the conversation for clearly sure. Clearly, I I love doing this kind of stuff. It 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 brings me to life essentially. Um, being able to just hang out and have this social time during this socially distanced year that we're having is uh, a real treat. So thank you for inviting me. Um, it's really, it's really helpful. Um, so for me, you can find me a few different places. Uh, the Propaganda Podcast, which, you know, most of your listeners, um, I bet are familiar with Propaganda. Um, you've had so many great uh, folks and bands on your show that uh including chris obviously um from propaganda but you can yep. find us on instagram at the ha- at the the handle propaganda pod yep. and also on twitter at the handle at propaganda pod um if you want to listen if you are a super nerd and you are into like religions and philosophy and stuff like that you can find my other podcast on twitter at classical underscore ideas. Um, and if you go into like Spotify or iTunes and search the classical ideas podcast, that will come up and there's like 175 episodes of that. So if anybody's like, I want to learn about Sikhism or Rinzai Zen Buddhism or, you know, like very specific topics, um, definitely write to me and I will like, custom curate a a podcast playlist with certain episode numbers because you know going to somebody's podcast about religion and sorting through 175 episodes is completely unwieldy so i if you're like i want to learn about rinzai zen buddhism shoot me a message and i'll be like all right listen to episode number 48 
yeah. listen to episode number 80, listen to episode number 108. And like, I'll tell you the exact numbers. Um, Cause awesome. that is like my mega super nerdy academic, uh, like love letter to the world is classical ideas podcast. Um, and you can email us at uh, propagandypod at gmail.com. If you uh, want to shoot me an email, I check that email every day. And you can also, um, you know, tell me some thoughts about the show uh, if you if you are listening to that show at all. So that's kind of where to find me. And I'm very responsive. Like, I'm like perpetually extremely online, um, probably doom scrolling. So send me something <laughs> fun to bust me <laughs> to out of my... Break, yeah, break you out of the cycle break the doom scroll and uh, give me something positive to focus on because honestly I'm probably doom scrolling in a way to find information about a, a nugget in a propaganda song, um, which, you know, there are so many amazing things I have to research for that, but uh, yeah, shoot me a message. Um, happy to hear from anybody. And uh, if anybody wants to talk about anything that we talked about in this episode, you can email me as well. And uh, that'll be fun. Nice. So I, I have to say, so I'm, I'm uh, like about this close to being done the Today's Empires episode, which is amazing. Yeah. Like That was I, a fun one, man. So it's funny you said at the beginning, like, um, you know, I'm really sorry in advance. This is two hours long. <laughs> sorry, guys. Now it's yeah. just like, two hours. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, but yeah. great interviews on that song. Lo- you know, like just about everybody you've had on the, the show, like amazing album a life-changing album for me for sure for uh, sure so so yeah I, i'm loving it's you know so far i can't get enough of your show so any any um little teasers or oh yeah or things that that you could leave us with that you know might be coming up to pay attention yeah yeah sure um so wh- when is this coming out you know probably within the next couple weeks i would say sweet so um for folks who have never heard the show um, so far we've had an incredible array of guests, but some of our upcoming guests, um, include, uh, David Gillis, who played guitar for Propaganda on uh, supporting cast and failed states, the Beave. Yeah. Um, he's coming on the show a couple of times. Um, he's also a teacher in Winnipeg. He teaches, oh, okay. uh, grade five. Um, so, uh, the Beave's coming on the show to, uh, talk about some songs um scott rudinsky from pulley is going to come on um lauren denizio from warriors is coming on the show oh gosh who else lynn lee from bad cop bad cop is coming on the show um sue lynn is coming back on the show um todd kowalski will be on the show at some point uh yeah sammy zane uh the wrestler is coming on the show um Chris Deutsch, who was our guest on Cop Just Out of yeah. Frame, is coming back. Um, well, that's great. He, I I love that episode. I think I think that might have been how we started chatting. Even like I yeah. think I just felt compelled to send you a message. Like that episode was amazing. It uh, was. Uh, that is hands down our most popular episode too. That episode has hundreds more downloads than the second place episode. Wow. Um, for some reason that episode has just really resonated and taken off. Um, so yeah, so Chris will be back, but we've got like professors coming on, uh, like scientists, 
um, historians. Like we've got, we've got some folks that, um, you know, aren't going to be like super well known in the music world, but who are experts in, in their profession, uh, talking about concepts related to propaganda. Like we have an actual biologist coming on to talk about zucosis uh, and what that means in the natural world. Um, and so like, we're, we're really trying to find people that are appropriate for the moment, um, while also really leaning into the music world as well to talk about how, you know, this band has uh, inspired them. So we have so many good people coming on. Um, I continue to be completely amazed and grateful whenever we get another person to accept the invitation. Um, and we're just going to keep cranking these bad boys out as, uh, as fast and as reasonably paced as we possibly can. Nice. So well, I can't wait to hear what, what you guys have in store. Um, we always kind of end the show by asking if you've got any advice for maybe it's, you know, current dads, um, dads to be, you've probably given lots of advice to Keith already, but uh, yeah. Holy what, smokes. what wisdom can, can you leave us with it? You better make it good. Always seek to show your kid the paths to find beauty. I like that. I mean, that's really as simple as it gets. Um, help them like find the things that, uh, that they find beautiful, expose them to things that are beautiful. Um, give them the opportunity to do things that create beauty um, and really help them harness that um, because there's so much that's bad and screwed up that they will discover that they have to find out the things that they find to be beautiful and they have to kind of hold on to that as much as possible because um, when the world gets ugly for them and when they realize the things that are ugly, they can always fall back on the things that originally they found to be beautiful to retain hope even when they're also grappling with the ugliness. I like that. Yeah, that's, I think that's the, the theme of this discussion has been, been around hope. Um, so thank you so much, Greg. This has been a total pleasure for me. It was great meeting you, um, you know, uh, as close to in person as we can get during this pandemic, I would say. Yeah. Uh, probably in yeah. the future, we'll be bumping into each other at uh, maybe some propaganda shows or, or otherwise. But uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure, Brett. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll chat again soon. All right, that was Greg Soden on the Rad Dads Show. Thank you so much, Greg, for joining us. If you're looking for more Rad Dads content, find us on Apple Podcasts or on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at, at rad underscore dads underscore show, and on Facebook at, at Rad Dads Show. And now you can also look us up on YouTube for some video interviews as well, including this one. Lastly, Rad Dads started as a community organization. And you can check out what we do over at raddadsyeg.com. That's raddadsyeg.com. Thanks for tuning in. In the meantime and in between time, stay rad.